I'm Tom Schumacher, president and producer of Disney Theatrical Group, but I'm here today for the American Theatre Wing. The American Theatre Wing has produced over 300 episodes of working in the theater, but today is going to be a bit of a change of pace. As a producer, I'm well aware that it takes a small army of almost invisible people to make a show happen eight times a week. Now, my favorite part of making theater is working with the creative group to make the original production. But after opening night, we leave the theater, and it's left to these extraordinary people backstage who make it happen eight times a week, just as it happened on opening night. And today, we want to take a look at some of those people. Now, we certainly can't cover every area of the theater in one episode, but we can do some of them. So today, we're going to meet the makeup department. We're going to meet the wig department. We're going to meet the puppet department. We're going to meet the wardrobe department and take an extraordinary look inside one player in the orchestra pit. Now, our great studio here at CUNY has been taken over today. It's a little bit like the drama club meets a science fair. So come with me and let's take a little look behind the curtain. So here we are in a makeup room and we're gonna take a look at a pretty extraordinary makeup. But let's start with the two people that I'm actually with. First, in the chair here is our actress, uh, Tzidi Manye, who plays Rafiki eight nights a week in The Lion King. How are you, Tzidi? I'm doing good, and how are you doing? I'm good. Are you comfortable with this experience today? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Now, at the end, we want to talk about what it's like to sit in a chair and be made up with okay. so much makeup. All right. But first, I'm turning now to Elizabeth Cohen, who actually runs our makeup department there on The Lion King. Now, when did you start working on The Lion King? Uh, Fourteen years ago, when it started. I was in Minneapolis with the show and moved to Broadway. Now, were you a makeup artist before that? I was an artist, I consider myself, and a theater artist, but I, I have a more of an art background, um, studio art, so I have a painting background, and I had worked on off-Broadway shows. And did you, did you shows. train in cosmetology or any of that kind I of stuff? I didn't. I just did, had a theatrical training in college of just basics. And, and, and how did we find you? I happened to go to college with the original makeup supervisor. So the, the journey to come to Broadway actually was through people you'd gone to school with? Networking. <laughs> and the makeup we're going to do today was designed by Michael Ward, right? And you worked directly with Michael yep, when we absolutely. did this, right? So Michael Ward's a British lighting, uh, a makeup designer. And hair. And hair yep. that, we, that works with us on the show. So now let's talk first about this, this idea of you're going to do this every night and an actor needs to be made up. But you're using a very specific design that you have to follow. Right. So let's start first with the tools you're going to use. What makeup is used in The Lion King to get... And do, if you well, want to start, you can go ahead yeah. and do that. We use a variety of makeups, um, depending on the character. Uh, Rafiki makeup was specifically designed with Fardell, which is a water-based makeup, which is, comes in a cream and a liquid formulation, but is extremely bright colors. And, the, and, and these products haven't changed while we've been doing um, Lion King? Things have evolved some, but we have been using the same products since the beginning and then adding to them. And, and your brush here, actually, <laughs> that's a... Big brush, CD. It that's there's a lot of face to cover with this brush. So the brush looks like a brush I'd be using at home. Yeah, the brushes that most of the brushes I use on Rafiki and some brushes that we use on other characters are actually bought at an art supply store. Not a makeup These aren't shop makeup at all. Brushes. I have a like two or three makeup brushes I use on Rafiki, but because this paint is so, it's almost like watercolor or acrylic. It works best with an art studio brush. And I see you've actually started to sketch in on her some of this outline. How long yeah. will this whole makeup take you to do? In the theater, it's a 30-minute makeup. We have exactly 30 minutes to accomplish it. Some do it in less time, but that's the amount of time we have for it. In a studio where I'm trying to make it look camera ready, it might take 40 minutes. 
Um, but it's a 30-minute makeup. And so when, you, when do you arrive at the theater every night to get made up? I get at the, at the theater by, uh, if the show is at 7, I have to be there by at least quarter till 6. Quarter to I'm 6. Quarter to seven, so six. you need an hour and 15 minutes yes, to get for ready. everything. For everything. We have uh, three characters, three actors who their call time is the hour before the show because we have so many makeups in the show that we have to start three well, people. Well, there, there are 51 people all together in The Lion King, but most right. of them do their own makeup. Right. All the ensemble does their makeup, and that's part of my job to teach them how to do that and give them the tools that they need and, this, and the simplest instructions that I can give them to accomplish the design that they need to accomplish. And the ensemble makeups are very, very simple for the most mm -hmm. part. But they're very graphic. But how many then? How many makeups for that for the for the Lion King have to be done in the makeup room? Uh, we do three each. We have three crew members, so each of us does three. There's three principles. people on the crew. Yeah, and we each do three principals in the room. The assistant supervisor also goes down and helps Pumbaa with his makeup in his own room, although he he does some of it himself. And then, and then they do. What are you doing in the chair while she's painting you? Do you want to start painting her? Let's do that. Let's yeah. see what that looks like. What are you doing when this is happening? We're just sitting. Sometimes we have like you know discussions. It depends on what the discussion is about on that day. You know, you talk about your traveling. How was your traveling? What made you upset? Or okay. who did what in the train? So, and stuff like so that. is Elizabeth your your confessor, your therapist, your <laughs> um, is that part of your job? It, it really is actually, it really is. and vice versa. Because this mean, is a very intimate relationship. Yes, you I mean have. you literally spend thirty to forty-five minutes. You certainly know what somebody. each other have eaten for dinner. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. Definitely. Or in this case, breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> you just say, "Excuse me, today I just had a lot of garlic sauce." In case, <laughs> and we do <laughs> keep these around to offer yeah. each other. Oh, everyone gets to have the right. Yeah, and usually mint in case we, we a... reciprocate. You know, yeah, or if, you... if somebody needs one, we both take one. And. Do you ever just want to sit and be left alone? Do you have to communicate that with each other? Sometimes, if you don't feel like talking, you just you know sit there and just close your eyes and it's not like and, you don't, and dream and just dream and dream. Sometimes when I tell you, this makeup is, it, I do fall asleep. It's really like soothing. Sometimes it's like you know gives you time to meditate. You know, well, sometimes when I'm going to leave the two of you to keep painting, and we're going to come back and look at what happens yes. at the end of this extraordinary makeup. See what's going to Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you. So, like all producers, I left the room while the real work was being done. So let's take a look, Elizabeth. You, you know, now, CD's ready. How long did this take you to do this? It's about a 30-minute job, um, uh -huh. maybe 40, depending on the care taken for the camera. And how much touch-up are you going to have to do on this? Well, for the theater, I wouldn't do any unless something catastrophic During the happened. course of the show, you wouldn't touch no, her up? No, um, CD is very careful. Um, we don't powder her, which would set this makeup. Mm -hmm. um, but she doesn't sweat. If she were to sweat, it would activate the water-based paint, so we would have to counter And on a matinee day, do you take it off? And put I don't it back take in? it off on the matinee, because um, I'm, I'm I don't go out. You don't go to lunch with this makeup on? I just buy food. <laughs> you know what? I should. No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. This is great. Thank you for demonstrating this for us today. And thank you, CD, for being here on, on your, your special off-duty. I never noticed there was gold on the lips. Yep. That's great. Thank you. <laughs>
That's the makeup department. Thank you. Here we are. We're now in the wig room. And this is a simulation, really, of what would happen normally backstage on a show. Because on a show, you, in some cases, there are hundreds of wigs, and it's like a gigantic beauty parlor. But it all starts with the wig designer, or the hair designer in this case. And I'm here with David Brian Brown. Now, he's done a pile of Broadway shows. You have Follies running right now. You, what else is running here? Uh, Sister Act, Chicago. You, you've been doing this for how long? Um, since 1979. Since 1979? <clears throat> well, I've been on Broadway since 1979. Congratulations. I've been designing for the past 16 years. The, um, the thing about wigs that I think is fascinating is their extraordinary complexity as a, as a piece of goods. Um, let's pull in because what people should see is this is what a wig looks like before it actually gets set, right? Right. After, after it's made by the wig maker, it arrives raw. And where does this hair um, come from? Well, it comes from all over. Um, uh, I get most of my hair from, from Europe. From Europe. Um, so there are bald women performing on Broadway every night? <laughs> How nice for them. Now, just, I'll hold this one. Show me what this is going to become when you actually have set. All right, and this is an identical match. This is the exact hair, right? Same and wig. The exact wig. It was uh, actually done for a show that um, people were playing twins, so that's why I have two exact. Uh, so this was before, this is after it's been set. Well, um, yeah, that's extraordinary. I mean, just, just the level of detail. Now, how long can this, this you've designed this wig, right? Uh -huh. But how long can it keep that shape? Maybe two performances, actually. You could get two whole performances out yeah. of it. So then it has to be washed like this. It doesn't have to be washed. It just needs to be, to be reset. reset. Okay, it needs to be washed like once a week. Because I want to show what a wig looks like when it's actually being made. Because these are custom made for people, right? So I'll hold yes. this one for you. Uh -huh. So you would custom, this is being custom made to someone's head. Right. Everything is custom made to, to exactly fit their head, their hairline, which you can see uh, traced right here. Um, so their hairline, if we pull in right, is here. And then all of this lace, some of this is going to get cut away and some of it's going to sit on their forehead, right? That's Correct. That's what anchors the it, wig? It cups the head, uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And so how does the hair get into here? Uh, it's all hand knotted individually. Like a rug? Like a rug. So to speak. With a tiny, <laughs> a tiny little hook. A tiny little hook. And, um, and literally, they're, they're individually tied. Um, Each hair, one how by many one. hairs? I've never counted. No one knows, right? Okay. No. Well, so uh, clearly, this is a complicated thing. Let's put this one down. And let's bring in Gary Martori. Now, Gary Martori actually runs the hair department, right? In this yes. case, you're running actually a hair department on Mary Poppins. Yes. So did you go to cosmetology school? Yes, yeah, early, early 80s I did. Yeah. So, so you actually could run a real beauty parlor? Yes. Yeah. You, you could be your own steel magnolias and do that. <laughs> yes. And you have to then set the wigs, do all that. What time does your day start? Um, for or an 8 o'clock show, I would be in sometimes 3 or 4 in the afternoon. To get everybody's hair ready? Yes. And then you run the show. You and get actors the in show. their hair, out of their hair? Out of the hair, quick changes. Most of the time is between... It's before 7, between 3 and 7, it's just getting everything ready for that night. And then everyone arrives? At 7, 7.30. Well, let's have someone arrive right now. Great. Let's take our chair and let's bring in Broadway legend Michelle Lickadoo. <laughs> now, how many shows have we done together, Michelle? Uh, I've done three Disney shows on Broadway. Three Disney shows. And you look fantastic. Your hair is so natural here. Thank you. So let's tear it off. <laughs> there you are. There you are. And you're in a wig cap. So now, Gary, tell me how this preparation has gone. We, we actually pink curl her head every single night of the show, or most, sometimes they do themselves, and we put them in a wig cap, and we protect the hair of the wig as well as her own with the wig cap. So they get pink curled just like we And how long does it take, Michelle, for you to get 
in that. About six minutes. Six <laughs> minutes. You've got it down. Yeah. And so, and she would stay in this all night long. This would stay the whole night long, but her wigs will change throughout the night for looks and costumes and whatever right. she's wearing. So let's try, Michelle, you played Ariel for us on Broadway. I did. And there you appeared. And this is such an iconic look. And I, I just want us to notice the extraordinary power that the, of the transformation of this hair. How it instantly turns you into a very iconic character. It's a good color for you, too. It's not particularly <laughs> natural, but it's a good color. <laughs> and let's look at how far down your face that lace comes, actually. Gary, can you touch where the lace is? Because yeah. it's all the way down there, right? But that for the most part, we hope the audience doesn't, doesn't see that. And you don't. You never see that on stage. That looks so... It gets cleaned every night and redone every night. This <laughs> wig would have to get cleaned every... The, the, the lace, lace would get cleaned every night. Every night. Does it feel mm -hmm. secure when it's pinned into your head? Mm -hmm. Better she's not in skates. Yeah, in this case, you were, yeah, you, you were rolling around. So that looks so fantastic on you. What would I give if I could live out of these waters? What would I pay? To spend a day warm on the sand. Well, before you pin her into it, though, there you are. You know, you're so pretty, even in a wig cap. Okay. Aww, there, I know, I love you. <laughs> okay, so there's Ariel floating away, swimming away. And then here we come. And what time period is this supposed to be, David? This is early 30s. Could be late 20s, but early 30s. <clears throat> that is fantastic. Now, let's, let's go all the way brunette before we finish with Michelle. And then here she loses her hair once again in this horrible ritual. Now, <laughs> how many wig changes might somebody make in a show? When you were in Mermaid, you were, if you were on as Ariel, you had how many wigs? Um, two or two, three? Two. Two Ariel wigs. And then when you were a Mer sister, you'd wear the similar foot, but you had to take the wig on and off to be various fish. Yeah. The brunette look is kind of scary with you. It's very color. dramatic. <laughs> I think my hair was this color in college. <laughs> oh, I've always thought you were a natural blonde. <laughs> really? Well, you pull off the natural blonde look great. So, David, in a show, or Gary, actually, in Poppins, who, did somebody change their wigs over and over and over and over and over again? Yes, the ensemble. They have at least four or five different looks throughout the whole entire show. So how yes. many wigs are in like a show like Mary Poppins backstage? On a nightly basis, there's like 54 wigs per show every night. And but how many wigs like are you 80, maintaining? 80 wigs with swings and other stuff. Um, that are all, it, it, all covering the show. Yeah. Okay, Michelle, you look fantastic as a brunette. You can stay brunette for a while. You get to go, and now we're going to bring in for a whole different idea. Let's bring in another Broadway legend. This is Tyler Maynard, who everybody knows on Broadway. Hi, everybody. And Tyler, you've got a kind of Yo-Yo Keanu Reeves look going here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, is my normal look. This is your normal Every look. Day. People yeah. don't know that you actually do look like that in That's real right. life. Does it feel like you could? Uh, yeah, you oh, could, it's so you secure. could, you could yeah. work it. And and then let's talk about facial hair because facial hair seems so difficult. So many actors just prefer to grow their own. Some do. But if you're in the ensemble and you have to keep changing, right. you That's can't. So how is his facial hair attached? Right now we use um, spiritum. Sometimes we use double-sided tape. And it comes right off. And can we just see it come right off? Is he going to cry? No, it's not bad at all. Now, look at that. That's <laughs> Now, this wig is really beautiful. You know, there's a fear that men are going to look 
um, unnatural in a wig. But can we actually just see what Tyler looks like? And then we'll also see his wig prep. Oh, Tyler. Tyler. <laughs> Tyler doesn't have any hair. <laughs> <laughs> that is, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary transformation. Can we try, can you put that one on? I'm just curious because this actually, it, tell me if this is what you looked like when you were in college. Wow. <laughs> it's what I looked like I mean. about four years ago, Four or five years ago, this was my hair style. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? And the, the, it is right a, back there. Would you like Would you like David to loan this to you? Is that what you're saying? Maybe some tears when you take it off. Yeah. <laughs> but it is what I find so compelling about hair is you know in a show we have to see the same actors over and over and over again. Unlike a movie, you can't keep changing the people in, and so the constant transformation on stage. And it, it is pretty profound. So, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Tyler, we're, we're done with our wig segment here with Gary and David. And I'm going to take this. You're gonna, you, you can wear that for the rest of the day. Thank you, Tyler Maynard. That was great. So, after the show, how long do you have to stay in the dressing room cleaning up? Um, I stay at least 45 minutes to an hour sometimes. To maintain things. Yeah. And when a show is touring, what do you do when all this hair gets taken off people and then you have to go we, on the road, you have to pack it up that we night. We have road boxes that are specially made for all these wigs, and David's done the, we've done the And if the, if the hair is wet, what do you do? Um, we have to, we have big dryers that are come, we take with us, we travel everything with us. And it just all travels with you? Well, yeah, I had eight road boxes for Mary Poppins the next on the road. tour. Yeah. With wig ovens, everything in it. And David, when I saw Spamalot, which you did, I recall mm -hmm. that women actually had hair under their arms. Did you have to make that? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Is that the wig department too? Yep. So you've actually done <laughs> armpit hair. Yep. Those, sometimes you, you, you fight with the makeup department on... Uh, on who gets to control on, it? Yeah, facial hair or armpit well, hair. It's nice to know that, that you're soup to nuts. <laughs> Pits to heads. That's great. <laughs> yeah, 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 Thank that's you, gentlemen. Right. And that's the wig department. <laughs> so now we're going to take a look at the puppet department. Now most people probably think, puppet department? Who has a puppet department? Well, right now on Broadway, The Lion King has a puppet department. Warhorse up at Lincoln Center has a very large puppet department. And off-Broadway, there's Avenue Q with puppets. And even right now, as we're filming this downtown, we're about to, there's a show about to open, Arius with a twist, with a puppeteer, a Basil Twist, who has an entire show using puppets. So puppets are a very major part of the theater. But on a big Broadway show, that takes a puppet department to maintain and manage those. Now, this here to my left is Ilya Vett. Hi, Ilya. Hi, how are you doing, Tom? So how long have you been on The Lion King? Uh, I've been working full-time at The Lion King for the past eight years. Eight years. And how many people are on the puppet crew? We have a puppet crew of three people. That um, We have one day worker who does all of the maintenance that uh, gets done every day. And we have me and the head of the department that f switch our schedule so that somebody is always there for the show, during the show, in case there's a uh, malfunction or something that needs to be addressed. We're there to handle it. And then the other one does the day-to-day -day works of the fittings and the, the maintaining the shop and keeping all of the repairs up yeah. to schedule. So what was your journey to get this job? Um, my, uh, my mother just happened to be a costume designer. And uh, when I was a child, the Muppets were very popular, and my mother figured, well, let's just make some puppets for you. So we designed and built our own characters and used to have our own little puppet shows and play around. And then there was a long period of my life where I didn't address or play with puppets anymore. And, uh, and they thought you'd become normal again. Right. And then uh, actually I came into the city to uh, get into the wardrobe department 
And I've always had a love of The Lion King, and I've, my mother bought me the book when it first opened, and I always had a, a fascination of the, the, so the you, amount of so work. So you came to Broadway to work in the wardrobe, as people think of it, the costume. Right, the costume right. department. To be uh, on, the, on the course of a running costumes for a show. Right. And, uh, but, Did you do that? Uh, I, not really. I kind of fell right into The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast doing a lot of their craft work calls and a lot of mm -hmm. the dealing with the puppets, and, and because that's where I, uh, my passion is. Well, now let's, let's start with first, because um, I want to do two different puppets. And the one in the show that's the most straight up, beautifully designed by Julie Tamor, sculpted by her, of course, our director of our show and the creator of the puppets, with Michael Curry, a fantastic uh, puppet maker as well. So this is Zazu. Now we're going to introduce Tom Warren, who actually is in The Lion King, and um, actually plays both of these characters, um, which he covers. And he's been with us for a very long. When did you start with us? Uh, nine years ago. Nine years ago. Yeah. These veterans were. Mm -hmm. Now let's. Can you get Zazu up? Yep. And then let's talk about because there's an aspect of this, which is obviously the the actor in this case, a trained actor is now coming to this as a puppeteer. But were you a puppeteer before you No, I was not. Job? No, I was trained to work these particular puppets uh, after being hired. So now, can you, Ilya, can you tell me the different parts of Zazu and how he works? Because sure. Eyes and mouth and... Well, uh, Zazu has an actual hard body and a hard head. And the neck... So many do. Is a little, <laughs> is a little bit of a wonky neck that can move around so he has some movement. And inside of the head itself, there's actually an eye mechanism, which is controlled by the thumb, you can see here. By pushing down and up on the thumb, it causes a lever inside of the head to manipulate the lids to open and close. Mm -hmm. And there's also just a trigger, like a pistol grip, that causes the mouth to open. And this has cables that run down and into this trigger itself that makes all of that manipulation happen. And it takes the puppeteer to be able to maneuver and manipulate all of those functions. And what about the wings? So those flap as well, right? Yes, the wings are done with the left hand, and it's a paddle that you pull down on the side, and it has these armatures that pull back the wings and cause them to actually flap if you just flap around. I don't want to ruin the illusion for anybody, but how many Zazus are actually backstage right now? We actually have uh, three Zazus on deck and one that's in the wings. Like, Is this contoured to, in the case of Tom here, is this contoured to his hand? Is everything, do you have your own special tensions and, and do you adjust during the show? Um, there's no adjustments that we do during the show, but when we get a new actor or somebody that comes in and uh, is going to be using the puppet, we find a puppet that they feel the most comfortable with. And uh, for instance, with this puppet, Tom and Jeff both use the same bird. And we can't custom fit each person because you have to have a swing and you have to be, be able, able to, to have all the people work it, but you have to find a medium between all of the different um, right. aspects that each actor appreciates and likes in their own. Well, puppet. now let's put Zazu back, because now I want to get Tom, and Tom, you're going to have to come around the front here. Okay. We want to get you into Scar. Now, the thing to think about with Scar um, is that actually, if you hand me the head while I'm talking, yeah. that'd be great. Because when you think about Scar, and Ilya, you come around front too, because we have to get him into his rig, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you can start that. All right. Um, because this is actually just a mask, right? I mean, when you think about it, it's a mask that now Tom has to actually puppet. So what are you putting on now? This is his uh, head mount that we have that's uh, made off of a life cast of his head. And it's uh, 
so that it's really strong and rigid on the top and we have a rubber that comes around to be soft and pliable uh -huh. so that he can still sing. And what's on his hips? <clears throat> and on the hips we have attached to the top of this boom, we have two motors that actually manipulate and uh, make the mechanics uh -huh. work on it. We have one motor that comes up and is attached to the boom here that makes the arm you make come up and right down. Now? I have to power it up. Power him up. And then on this side, we have the mask motor that actuates the top part of the mask. And we have a battery, and these are control units that adjust uh, the different placements and speeds and, and, and uh, this is, stuff. Were you into electronics when you started this? Uh, no, I, um, I just kind of learned it from doing it. Uh, I came in and... And you were taught how to work all this? Yeah. Because uh, this is really... Now, let's do this. Can you make the head move first? People can see what that does. That's without the mask on. Yeah. Now, would you want to put the mask on sure. in there? And then, so you step down. Uh -huh. Then we put the mask on. Now, this looks like it could go terribly wrong. <laughs> Tom, have you had this go wrong during the show? Uh, I have. <laughs> and what, what happens when it goes wrong? Well, it's usually actor error, and um, I'll have it slide down my face, scrape the makeup off, uh -huh. or sometimes it's mechanical and a wire trips and the mask. So show us the range well, of this, this can typically happen if something's going wrong. Right, so uh, show us the range of movement he can do. What can you do with so him? So he can come down, show the more animal instincts of the character. And what do you, can you show us your hand? Yeah, so I've got a finger on, control. Yeah, yeah. on the hand has hand? the finger control, and on the finger control there's two act, uh, sliders which are actually potentiometers. And basically, potentiometer. a potentiometer, yes. Did you learn that word today for this presentation? No, no, that's what they're called. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, basically what it is, is just a slider that allows the position of whatever his hand uh -huh. finger slider goes to. There's an actual potentiometer and a slider inside the motor. So that as he moves each of these sliders, it moves the motor a certain amount of distance inside the box, and all that's adjusted by the control And, and are box. you in the wings for Tom so that if he has a problem, he... Yes. We're, we're on call during the show so that if there's an issue with a scar mechanic and something happens, that we come down and we address it. And, and, and how often does it. that happen? Unfortunately, more than you'd want. You know, really? it, it happens... After all these years. It, yes. It, it's... I, usually it's something that's a small glitch or something, but but they're finicky and they're electronics, so that there's all there's always a little glitch somewhere. But most of the times it gets hammered out without uh, the audience even, even being aware, even knowing. And are these heavy for you? Uh, they're not light, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, we feel them. But you feel it. Yeah. And yeah. do you know when the head is misbehaving, or does Ilya have to tell you the head's misbehaving? Sometimes we know, and sometimes we don't. I can usually see from my scene partner's face if the thing is going. Like this, somebody's oh, actually laughing at me. Someone's laughing at you, and you know it yeah. shouldn't be there. And Ilya, are you actually watching the wings, or do you kind of know when you need? I mean, uh, you we have a monitor. You have a monitor. Yes, in up in the uh, puppet room, we in the uh, puppet uh, shop, we have a monitor and sound to the house, and we also can hear them calling the show. So if there's a uh, problem, and say stage management uh, sees it, they'll start talking to each other about, "Do you notice this? Do you notice that?" And we'll hear it before they even call us. Right. 
So we'll be able to get oh, a no. jump on. Well, I think what one of the things about this, and why I'm so glad you guys came to demonstrate this, is most people think of puppets as a very simple, manipulated thing. And we've seen both with Zazu and certainly this. There's a lot more technology and a gigantic piece of maintenance that's going on to keep the show alive backstage. So Ilya, thank you. Tom, thank you. Thank you. And we're going to move on. There are some truly unsung heroes backstage on any show, and that's the wardrobe department. And the wardrobe department uh, is complicated because it's taking care of costumes, but also taking care of actors. They move quickly around backstage, dodging scenery, dodging actors, dodging everything to keep the show flowing. So let's take a look at what the wardrobe department actually does. Now, I'm here with Carly Hirschberg. Hi, Carly. Hi, how are you? So you're a dresser on Broadway. I am. And you work in the wardrobe department. So what happens in your day? Because there's two real parts of your day. Yes. Well, I do day work for Mary Poppins as well as dressing the show. What's so day what work mean? That entails doing ironing and prep work for the clothes, checking everything, making sure everything's safe, and it looks great. What does safe mean? Well, um, shoes, for example, can have safety issues if you know, taps were loose, or oh. elastic is loose, or rubber is not glued down properly. So we go through everything with a fine-tooth fine comb, comb yeah. um, to make sure that everything just looks really great and that there are no safety issues whatsoever, um, which is very important because our actors are on stage the whole time and they're working and out really how hard. how prep the show? What, what does that mean when you get ready to actually have the show happen? Well, um, after day work happens, after we've cleaned the clothes, made everything look good, um, everything set inside the dressing rooms or in the bunker in gondolas prepped for the show. So the bunker we, would mean like where the ensemble goes to change their clothes? Absolutely. Underneath the stage in uh -huh. our case at Mary Poppins and that's where we do all the storage for those clothes there as well. Now where does Mary actually get dressed though? Mary has her own dressing room which is very nice. It is Mary Poppins after all. And in that room we contain all of her clothes for the show. And then during my part of the day I will also take those clothes out and prep them either backstage or downstairs in the bunker or wherever we'll need them. them presets for our quick changes or um, just fast changes or moments in the stage at the show. So when she can't go back to her When she her, can't get back to the dressing room. room. And since it's Mary Poppins, she's on stage most of the time, so that's often the case. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious If you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and when she's on stage, where are you? When she's on stage, I'm backstage, and I'm usually waiting in, in a preset area for her to meet me off stage so we can do a change, or we could use water, or hang out for a now, little bit. You have a tool belt on, and I what do? kind of stuff is in your tool belt? Well, it's a little mix of everything. I have a shoehorn, if we ever need it, uh -huh. for shoe changes. Um, I have some sewing supplies, like scissors. In case um, you want to make a sweater, what are you doing? <laughs> no, for, for, for repairs, For repairs, right? yeah. or if um, there was a string that we could see on stage, uh -huh. she comes off, we'll kind of get rid of the thread if we can, you know, just to make uh -huh. things look really neat. And in case of emergencies, you know, if there are some shoes that have elastic laces. If they got stuck during a quick chain, I'd have to cut them off uh -huh. and then replace the laces. So I have laces in here, too. Um, you know, just the... You're ready. In case of emergencies situation. And where did you come from? Because you, I know you did theater early in your career, but yes. we didn't find you from another show. Right? No, no. This is my first Broadway production. Uh, prior to this, I was actually in textile design in New York, which was very exciting and very fun, but definitely a different lifestyle yeah. choice, nine to five. Well, now um, let's take a look at, we're going to ask Elizabeth DeRosa to come in, who plays Mary Poppins in our show. You cover the role. Here you are. You look so beautiful in the costume. Thank you. And I want everyone to see this costume. Can you give us a little turnaround? Mm -hmm. Because Carly and Janet and Gary here are going to actually demonstrate with us a full-on 
Mary Poppins Quick Change. Now, set this up for us because you're you're wearing this dress That's right. in the the Jolly Holiday number. Mm -hmm. In the scene and in the song Jolly Holiday, uh, Mary's dressed like this. However, it's important to note that before that song, um, after the very first song in the show, Mary has to change from her boots. You know, yeah, this is interesting. You're not actually wearing the period boots. This is the Bob Crowley costume. Bob yes. Crowley designed all of our sets and costumes for the show. Yes. But Bob designed a period boot. Yes, he did. But you can't wear that in the Jolly Holiday sequence because why? Because, as you'll see, um, when I come off of Jolly Holiday or come out of the park scene in Jolly Holiday into the number, she has to wear this lovely pink outfit that we see That we've here. crumpled on the floor, yeah. <laughs> such a quick change that there would be no Lacing way to unlace boots. your boots and to relace. So you're cheating. Exactly. These are your cheater shoes. Cheat. And we hope that no one notices that these are not boots. Well, after all these years, um, I hadn't noticed until today. <laughs> now, my other question is, you're on stage, but you're actually exiting behind a piece of scenery for the quick change. So you're going to actually start the quick change. That's right. Not in view of the audience, but on stage, exactly. right? Exactly. Actually, it starts center stage, believe it or not. Um, as the scenery, they're called sliders, as they move off stage right, I will be moving behind along with them and preparing myself to change, which means opening the coat and opening my shirt and getting peeling back those so layers. Yeah, so you're, you're yes. starting to open everything up so yeah. that when you walk off to do it. Okay, I'm going to step out of this scene now. Gary, don't you have to put the hat on to prepare? So Gary wears mm -hmm. the hat. That's you're right. going to go back where you belong as if you were exiting. Uh, Carla's going to do this, and I'm going to bring Janet in as I exit, and we're going to run this Mary Poppins quick change in real time. Everyone Sounds ready? Sounds good. Yes. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm exiting. That was fantastic. That, and, and what was great is that we got to see you actually drop the lipstick. Yes. Now, <laughs> well, of course it does, because it's in real flow and it's backstage. Right. Now, you would have to run on whether you could change it or not, the lipstick. Right. You have to go. So you've got new hat, new dress, and none of this is to tear away, because you've got to be able to dance in this That's now, right. right? Right. Full dance number. So you're going to go off like you do in the show, and we're actually going to watch you put the clothes back on again That's in the right. same real-time change that you do. That was fantastic. So tell me, you had to change her hose. Yes. She went from black to white to black again. Yes. Right? And what's the hardest part of this change? Oh, the hardest part? Well, um, you know, sometimes the very center back snaps can be a little tricky. And it's a little different for each Mary that's on. So um, there it's can be just out a of lot of. Right now. I know, it's quick. It really is quick. And so you're just kind of like, you got to go with the flow, see what it feels like. Make sure the actor is comfortable and also, you know, just really get her in her clothes properly. And, ha and have you ever messed it up? 
oh, I once got one sock stuck inside the other sock, and so there was a nice little lump. Um, that was the, oh, the yeah. classic. So, that was the classic. Yeah, was she, so she had a lump for the whole number? She had a lump for a portion of the number. It was um, not my favorite stage moment well, for me, happen. but it was, it was a new day. Well, that, that was fantastic, and Elizabeth was great, um, and I, I want to watch that all happen again, but I'm not going to make you do it. <laughs> put you out of breath. But I think we can see what it is about the wardrobe department, because it's very intimate, it's very pressured backstage, and it's absolutely these three different things of prepping during the day, setting up the show, and then helping manage the life of that actor backstage. That's the wardrobe department. Thanks. Thank you. One of the glories of the musical theater is, of course, live music. But so often today on shows, either you can't even see that there's an orchestra pit, or sometimes the band is actually in a different room altogether, sometimes even seven flights up um, within the theater. And that's done for all sorts of reasons about controlling the sound and microphones and blending with actors, and of course, so many new electronic instruments that are being used in the orchestra pit. And because of this, although we love their work, we so often don't see inside the orchestra pit. So today I thought I'd introduce you to Dave Weiss, who's been in the Lion King band since we began the show 14 years ago mm -hmm. now. Correct. Now let's first talk about just life inside the orchestra pit. Mm -hmm. uh, when, uh, when did you start playing uh, an instrument? Well, I started very young. I started on violin when I was five years old. Both my folks are professional musicians. And I, I switched to woodwinds uh, a couple of years later because I just liked the flute better. And that was my first instrument. And then and shortly after that, saxophone and clarinet. And how'd you get into Broadway? Well, um, over the years, after I got out of music school, when I was in, I was in New York, it was a place where I knew I could work. And uh, I enjoyed the work because I played both classical and jazz style. And uh, it just fit what I did better than playing in an orchestra. And I started working for the show Barnum in 1982, right when I, after I uh, And how many Broadway shows have you done, roughly? I've done about 50 Broadway and off-Broadway shows. That's extraordinary. Yeah. So now, on a typical night when you're actually in the pit playing, what time do you arrive? I get to the theater probably about an hour before. An hour before? People yeah. always imagine the orchestra arrives about 10 minutes it to curtain. It depends on the individual, too. But I have all these instruments I have to play for Lion King, so it's, it's an hour before, maybe more like 45 minutes. I have to make sure everything's working and uh, ready to go. And well, now that gets me to why I think what you do is so interesting, because when people think about the orchestra, they think somebody's down there playing an instrument or maybe two or three instruments. Mm -hmm. But you play, what, 12 different instruments? I'm playing 12 instruments for Lion King, yeah. That's and, and they're all around you on the floor? Where uh, are they? No, I have specially made stands to the left and to the right of me, and I have to leave an area so the conductor can come up through that. That's for the, this big guy here. So. And, and since you've been with us in the beginning, how many flutes did you have with you when we started the show? When we started in workshop, I brought close to 50 or 60 different instruments. You can play with me. 60 different kinds of flutes. I own easily that much, probably more. Wow. It's, it's an affliction, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, it's a curious thing. Okay, so let's talk about the flute in general, since, because mm -hmm. um, you're down there in the pit, you've got all these instruments. Now, what you're holding is actually what people think of as traditional right. flute. Right, this is a, a Western design flute. Um, it's a particularly expensive one. It's a gold flute, and uh, but this is almost identical in design to what kids are playing in high school bands and, and, and marching bands. And give band. us a sense of what the classic sure. sound of a f the flute is. How adorable is that? That's fantastic. <laughs> now, we've, so that's the classic flute sound. Now, this right. you also play the piccolo in the right, show? Right, sure, yeah. 
There's actually quite a lot of piccolo in this, in this show. Lion King doesn't seem like a piccolo show to no, me. Well, I, I'm well, thinking of John think, Philip Sousa with the When you think of the stampede and all in. Oh, the so how does the piccolo the sound then? sore lip by the end of the show? Never, no. No? No. Are there repetitive motion problems with playing this? Uh, in the hands, yes. Hands. Especially with larger instruments, like something like this. That, like a that big can one. give you a lot of so problems. So now, I'm yeah. curious because I suppose most people would probably, of all your flutes, most recognize this. So can right. you tell us about this? Well, now this is a pan pipe, oh, I'm sorry, or a pan flute. Uh, this is a European design, actually. Uh, a lot Why of people, do I think those are Latin American? Well, you probably see guys on the street. As a matter of fact, right in Times Square where we work, there's always some Oh, those sort guys of, are good. Right. They're excellent. They're excellent. Now, those are generally from Peru or Ecuador, and they play a different style of pan pipe. But this is the European style. You see, notice that it's curved, and it's one row. The South American style actually has two rows, and it goes back and forth. But you find pan pipes all over the world, in China, in Africa, uh, again, this is Eastern European. So how does design. it sound? Now, in Lion King, when do we first hear the? the you uh, hear this right in the beginning. Uh, this instrument is strongly associated with Simba, but not Simba all the way to through. Simba, the younger Simba that we have in uh, the first act mm -hmm. and halfway through the second act. Yep. So right in Circle of Life, right in the, in the, the, the first number in, of the when show. All, when everyone's on stage. Right. So you hear this melody. This, that actual motif, mm -hmm. which was uh, first created by Hans Zimmer for right. the movie, mm -hmm. and then was incorporated into our show, and of course Mark Mancina and Hans mm -hmm. and Lebo and all these guys who did. But then you're also working with the orchestrators mm -hmm. who were figuring out which flute to play, right? Right, yeah. When we first started the show, the, the musical, I started working on it a good year and a half before we opened. And the only thing they knew at that point was, we want pan pipes because that's the sound of Simba. That's, that's mm -hmm. what they hear, and that's what was in the movie. After that, it was a black, blank slate, and we were going to try Well, so what are these? Well, Because they're, they're, they're pretty right? painted up and Right. These are various uh, bamboo flutes from uh, many different parts of the world, and we have China. This is from uh, actually an American and make. Do, and do they really sound different? Oh, I mean, yes, they do. Um, this one, for example, now this is actually an American-made bamboo flute, but it's very similar in design to flutes I've seen from Africa and India. And this is an Indian flute, so... Uh, but... Uh, well, talk, talk, talk. I can show you what it sounds like.
and now, that's uh, a melody that's and tell me, follows this, and follows along. Is this along. tunable? Because well, what, you, what do you do about keys and things? Well, that's why I have to have so many. The design of the flute, I mean, if you go, a flute like this, mm -hmm which is you know a contemporary make flute. Actually, you could say is a Renaissance flute. It's not only an Indian flute, a Chinese flute. Uh, when, during the Renaissance and medieval times, this is the type of flute you would see. But then over the years in the West, it slowly developed into an instrument like this with all this key work on it. And what the key work does is, to make it as simple as possible, it, uh, if you envision a piano with the white keys mm -hmm. and the black keys, well, all that key work allows you to play the white keys and the black so keys. So could anybody who plays a traditional flute play one of these? Well, you could. You're halfway in, but these do work a bit different. Well, okay, it's, I want to hear this one, then I want to talk about that. So this big honker here, okay, right. what is that? Well, this is from South America. It's called Toyos. It's a bass pan pipe. It's the large version, version of, of that. this. Okay. But I've seen pictures of pygmies in Central Africa That's on, a, taller than a, pygmy. on a tree stump. Well, he gets on a tree stump and he plays it like this. But uh, we use this twice in the show, or actually, well, uh, for two different sounds. First in Circle Life, where we're using this sound. And uh, then later on, or shortly thereafter, uh -huh. we use the lower end, and it really colors the evil uh, scar oh, character yeah, yeah. quite a bit. Like? And that follows him around That's quite what, a bit. Now, I think what everyone would be wondering right now, because we started, we talked about you in the pit. How many people, because you can't be there every night, no. so how many people are there who actually could play 12 flutes? How many people do well, you have? Well, right now I have uh, five people that have learned how to play it, and uh, I teach them how to do it. So um, you're responsible for teaching them? Yeah. And yeah. do you schedule them? Uh, so yeah, if you I'm, want a night off? Exactly. I mean, I, I, can't, I don't feel it's right to call somebody, say, at 6 or 7 o'clock and say, go in and cover uh -huh. me. Because it's an awful lot to play. You have to be ready to go. And if you haven't played it in a few weeks or a few months, you know, it's, it's just not you fair. But practice up. Yeah, generally I have, have it scheduled out a few days in advance. And is it traditional, you know, so many people watching um, play an instrument, and we know what music looks like. Mm -hmm. But it, the music is written out, but is it, do you have to indicate then in the music which one of these flutes they're oh, playing? Oh, sure. And you have to pick up the exact right instrument. Otherwise, the complete wrong note's going to come out. It's going to sound horrible. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it could be a disaster. Yeah. And, uh, I would suspect that some of the sounds you've made with this one, people think are electronic. Are there any electronic flutes in The Lion King? No, none at all. Everything, when we go to the show, everything we're hearing yeah. is you. Is all these instruments, yeah. That's fantastic. There's actually a few more that I play in the show, but uh, they wouldn't fit on the table. They wouldn't so. fit? Are they, are they too big? <laughs> there, there's just more More pan of this pipes. kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, Dave, this is extraordinary. I think when we think of the orchestra, we think of traditional instruments, and we think of our high school band. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's where people can start. But in this case, I don't know anybody who plays more stuff in, in one show and has to manage then, if you will, the flute department within right. the orchestra. So. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. So that's a look inside, if you will, the orchestra pit and some of the complexities that the musicians there find. Thanks. Thank you, Tom. So, you know, we've done this whole show with each of you in your segments. But that's, in a sense, not at all the world you live in because you're part of a, a community backstage. So I'd like to just talk about that for a second. Like, Ilya, backstage, who do you deal with most? Uh, most of the time when I'm uh, backstage during the show, I'm paying attention to the puppets that are currently being used or puppets that are in the wings ready to go on. So uh, top of the show, I'm usually paying attention to Scar because he's the first uh, big puppet mechanic that's being used for that and, reveal. And what department do you have to relate to most? Are you pretty isolated to you? Um, 
Most of the time, uh, we work hand in hand with the wardrobe department because the costumes and the puppets are so integrated to one another with the, the, in the Lion King. So wardrobe is uh, the main um, main pairing that we have. But we also work closely with hair and makeup because the hair and makeup, uh, depending on how we Integrates mount, right in. Yeah. yeah, depending on how we make the head mount and how we mount certain pieces, we need to have. Um, the, the area for makeup, for instance, to, to do their job and for hair to put on the wigs and such. So we work a lot with um, John Jordan and, uh, uh, and Elizabeth. And Elizabeth. So Elizabeth, you have to mess with puppets. Who else do you have to encounter? Hair, hair mostly, really. Um, so Gary's department is the one, uh, not on your show. Right. The department Gary Right. right. And, and we have people who come up into the makeup room at the hour call. We have the, the young boy comes up and he gets started because he has body paint. So we paint him a little bit. And we mostly paint a part of a face that would be very difficult to paint after hair is put mm -hmm. on. And then he goes over and gets his hair on and then finishes and his makeup afterward. To someone else. Yep, same happens with adult Nala. And Gary, who do you mess with most? Mostly with Carly. Carly and I together, we're partnering with Carly. And this says you're a team, because totally you're actually on the same show. So yeah. Carly gets Mary dressed and you get Mary prepared with her hair. I do from here up and she does from here down. And do you ever trade off each other's stuff? Like, I mean, do you ever have to do any wardrobe stuff? Do you ever mess um, with your hair? I mean, if there's, we, do, we look out for each other. So if there's something, I would say Carly, or I would help her, and she would like, oh, no, Gary, you need the hat. Or we definitely help each other, yes. Right. We look and, out for each other. And the hat's a big part of that, too, because there are times where Gary is responsible for tracking the hat, and then other times where I'll pick it up from somewhere and store it away or something like that. Yeah. So it's kind now of a Presumably, with over 100 people backstage in a musical, there had to be people you don't get along with. <laughs> Does that create tension backstage? Well, there's a whole dynamic to the backstage choreography, really. Oh, okay. So you're running into everyone. But depending on where you are and, and what your, your role is, um, you know, we kind of have brief encounters with everybody. We're so isolated not, yeah. from everybody. So well, we're I want to talk about that isolation through. because, Dave, you probably feel very isolated from the show in a sense. Uh, that's true, yeah. You're, you're in the orchestra pit. Can you see the action from where you I sit? see almost none of it, and I'm right next to the conductor, too, but just we're so deep in the pit, I can see a little bit of the opening number, and that's about it. So are you wondering what's going on? I mean, no, I've, seen the, show, I've right? seen the show probably 15, 20 times over the mm -hmm. years, especially when we were first making it, and I, I saw it quite a bit And can then. you tell when something's gone wrong? Oh, you can hear it in a second, yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't really see if something's going wrong, but if the conductor's on the phone and is conducting <laughs> like this, and there's all sorts of mishigas going on, <laughs> then I know, you know something's gone wrong. And I'm curious for all of you, do you... Uh, you know, the audience, of course, wants to see a perfectly finished show, although they also often talk about a show that it's not a movie. It's going to be different and alive every night. Do you all sort of relish little things going awry just to change up the day? <laughs> Sometimes big things go awry. For yeah. instance, there was a time in Lion King many, many years ago when in the middle of the He Lives in You number, which is uh, Simba and Rafiki, uh, and he throws the stick. They have the interchange in between, and it hit her in the face, and she went down. And it's in the middle of the song. And yes, we this had was Sheila to, Gibbs when she that's was right. playing um, Broadway Sheila Gibbs and uh, Rafiki. And Chris she actually Jackson. got knocked out by, by Christopher right. Jackson. Right? right. And we had to make up her cover so in the six minutes. So the show stopped. show stopped. They brought the curtain the cover. in. But we took that makeup that we did earlier today, which is a 30-minute makeup. We took six minutes to get her in makeup, uh, mic, and costume. Six and minutes got the actress to stage, on stage. Which we were five stories up in, in those days, too. So yeah. we all had to uh, run downstairs as well, right? Yeah. right. Yeah. And you've had puppets come apart in your hands. Or uh, yeah, I think uh, probably one of the most um, nerve-wracking ones is when Pumbaa's spine snaps. And mm. basically uh, what happens is Pumbaa is like a backpack with two spines that hold out his rear legs. And during the show, the lower spine snapped 
So the entire puppet dropped to the ground. And um, we That's had to... That's not actually desirable, is it? No, <laughs> and uh, we actually ended up having to, uh, with zip ties, duct tape, and uh, casting material, going. we wrapped it and, and got, it, got it through the end of the show. And then uh, since then, now we have actual pieces that we fabricated so that in case they snap, we can put these custom pieces in to re, uh, you know, fortify that joint. You know, when I introduced this, I talked about you as an army. And I think most people don't realize the extraordinary coordination, the knowledge of your own area and coordination that goes backstage. So thank you for joining us today. Um, this has been, uh, for me, I've, even, I've, I've learned a lot of stuff about you. So we've babbled on long enough. It's time to wrap up. So thank you for joining us. These programs are brought to you from the Graduate Center of the City University of New York in partnership with our friends at CUNY TV. On behalf of the American Theatre Wing, I'm Tom Schumacher, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Working in the Theatre. I'm Ted Chapin, Chairman of the American Theatre Wing. The Wing has played a vital role in New York's theatrical life for more than 60 years. Best known for creating the Tony Awards, we stand for excellence, but we also support education in the theatre, and our work reaches beyond Broadway in New York. The Working in the Theatre television programs, which are supported by the Annenberg Foundation and the Dorothy Strelson Foundation, are unequaled forums for discussions with today's most creative artists. Downstage Center's in-depth radio interviews were created in conjunction with XM Satellite Radio and can be heard on our website. For people who are starting their careers, we have a two-week boot camp for aspiring actors from colleges across the country called Springboard NYC. And our theater intern group provides a forum for young people who are starting their careers to build a professional network. All of the American Theatre Wing's educational and media programs are available for free on demand from our website, americantheaterwing.org. Thanks for your interest in the Wing, and thanks for watching.